Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor at Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. Well, greetings. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to our verse-by-verse study of the Gospel of John. Today, we are going to begin chapter 6. So you can turn over there now to John chapter 6. John's gospel is not an exhaustive list of all that Jesus did. For example, John does not record the events that took place between Jesus' healing of the lame man that we talked about last week in chapter 5 and the feeding of the 5,000 that we're going to look at this week. Much happened in between there. In fact, Matthew records that in between these two events, Jesus preached his Sermon on the Mount. And both Mark and Luke record additional details that Jesus' ministry conducted during this time. But the feeding of the 5,000 is a big deal. In fact, it's such a big deal that it is included in all four of the Gospels, every single one of them. And while Jesus continued to minister between Jerusalem and the Galilee region, he gathered a large uh, crowd of people who enjoyed him speaking and and wanted to see what was going to happen next, who he was going to heal, what he was going to do. The miracles brought people from far and wide to check out what was becoming a circus-like traveling show that included groupies that followed Jesus and wanted to see what would happen next. Today we'll read that 5,000 men, now this doesn't include women and children, so I think it's safe to say that there were somewhere between eight and 10,000 people. I don't think that would be unreasonable. There's a lot of people there. Mark records that Jesus was tired and he wanted to get away to the east side of the Sea of Galilee. They're on the west side, and kind of would be the 11 o'clock really side of the lake in Capernaum, and he wants them to come away. We learn this in Mark. He said, come away with me. They were going to go to the east side, northeast side of the lake, and they were going to just get away and spend time with God and with each other. You may uh, recall that Jesus has been healing people constantly. I mean, you know, into the wee hours of the morning, when they would find out that he was in town, they, they would just bring all the sick, lame people to them and or to him, and he would heal them. And this would go way into the morning hours. And then, of course, he had to get up early and and continue his ministry. So he was tired. He was God, but he was also fully man and capable of being tired. And so he wants to get away and just, you know, kind of take a deep breath. But the crowd of these looky-loos aren't going to let that happen. They continued to follow him. Some in boats followed him uh, over to the other side of the of the lake, many of them, most of the, of the crowd, actually went around the north top of the Sea of Galilee over to the other side because they wanted to see what was going to happen over there. So there's a throng of people, many thousands and thousands of people uh, that actually arrive over to the other side before Jesus does. And today I want to talk about a passage that I'm sure you're familiar with. And in that passage, I want to show you a couple of things, uh, two life lessons from the master, from the stories we're going to read. Let's begin with life lesson number one. Jesus has power over our needs. Now, I love problem solving. I love being prepared. 
I would have made a good Boy Scout, I think. When we, uh, when we get uh, to go off-roading sometimes um, in, our, in our truck and, and, uh, or Jeep when we had it, um, I like to make sure that I have lots of stuff. Um, when we're out there in the wilderness, you've got to have all these things with you, a good selection of tools. Uh, so I take this tool bag that weighs 1,400 pounds, and I throw my back out every time I put it into the, to the truck. I've yet to use that out in the middle of nowhere, but you never know. And then number two, uh, duct tape. All the men said? Okay, all right. And then, and then baling wire. You got those three things, you can take on the world. I, don't, I mean, if World War III comes, you'll be all right if you have those three things. You can fix just about anything. But the disciples are going to be faced with a problem that Jesus makes happen. And he wants to grow these disciples. Now, remember, they're 15, 16, 17 years old. These are, these are we would call them kids. They, in the Jewish culture, they're young men. They're just young men. And, and they're still kind of squirrely. And, uh, and Jesus keeps taking them to places. And he wants them to see what is going on, who he is, and how to get through life's challenges. Because he, you know, he knows he's going back to heaven one day. And it's not long. And these young men are going to have to take the gospel to the world. So he wants to prepare them. So he sets this all up. And the problem today is is going to involve hunger. Last week we talked about hangry men and how sometimes we get hangry, you know. And uh, But now there's 5,000 hangry men, and, and they're going to have to deal with that. Let's look down at our scripture today. Verse 1. After these things, what things? Well, after Jesus, remember, he healed the lame man by the pool that we talked about, Bethesda, last week. And and the Pharisees saw him do this, and it was on the Sabbath, and so they condemned him, and he gave them in no uncertain terms. Uh, He didn't pull any punches. He just called them, you know, whitewashed sepulchers. And and from that moment on, the, the word says, they sought to kill him. So let the games begin. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. They're the same sea. It's actually a very large lake. The book of Mark tells us that he wanted to get away for some R&R with his disciples. Verse 2, then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. They didn't want him as Savior. They didn't believe, perhaps, that he was God. They wanted to see what the next show, uh, next circus act was going to be. Verse 3, and Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. So they get to the other side of of the Sea of Galilee. And he immediately takes his disciples up to a hill. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Mark adds that Jesus had compassion on the crowd and taught them until late afternoon. When, they were, when he took his disciples up on the hill, he looked down and he saw these throngs of people now, thousands upon thousands. And, and Mark records that he had compassion on them He saw them as a sheep without a shepherd, no one to protect them, no one to guide them, no one to feed them, and his heart just broke for them. When all of a sudden it dawns on the disciples, not on Jesus, of course, he knew it from the beginning, but it dawns on the disciples that uh, Jesus has been teaching now, and it's almost dark. 
It's well into the late afternoon. And you know what? There's no Chick-fil-A within sight. Uh, What are these people going to eat? We're out in the middle of nowhere. There are no buildings. There are towns. You're going to have to walk a, a long way to get to a town and hope that somebody will sell you some bread. The disciples realize this. They realize this need needs to be met. It needs to be fixed. And in our passage today, we read about their four responses and four responses to our needs. Solution A. Here's solution A that came up. Make the problem go away. Now, John doesn't list this particular one, but over in the book of Mark, uh, chapter 6, verse uh, 35 and, and forward, we read, When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. They have nothing to eat. You think the disciples had some food to eat? I think they did. They're not our problem. Jesus, just make them go away. Have you ever tried to pretend that you don't have a problem when this problem is getting bigger and bigger? Sometimes that works for a while. We pretend to be okay. We ignore the problem. These disciples have a problem, so they just want it to go away. Lord, just send them away. And Jesus knows this is not the end. This is not a viable solution. He's not going to do that. These disciples have a problem. In fact, over in in Matthew, Jesus looks at them and he says, you feed them. Um, We feed them. And they look at each other, you know, the the collective 16-year-old brain. You know, there's 12 of them. What does he mean by that? We feed them. Um, what do we got in our bag? Like, you know, we don't even have enough for us. What does he mean by this? this? These disciples have a problem. First of all, if they send them away, they're going to have to walk a long, long way, over 10 miles uh, from where they came. And, and if they haven't eaten all day, that's a lot to ask from somebody, especially 5,000 hangry men. And it's getting dark. We're told that. It's well into the day now. The sun's going down. You have to remember, they didn't travel at night. We learned this a couple of weeks ago. They don't have flashlights. It's dangerous to walk the hillsides of Israel. If you've never been there, um, there's, there's some dangerous places there. There's some bluffs and cliffs that overlook the Sea of Galilee. And especially on the side they're at, if you go with us in April, to when we go to Israel to make our trip, you'll get to see a lot of these places we're talking about and going to talk about in the coming weeks. But right here where Jesus took them, there's cliffs that are 100 feet tall, just enough to, to kill you, I guess. So sending them away wasn't a viable solution. Jesus wasn't going to do that from the beginning for responses to our needs. Solution A, make the problem go away. And solution B... Fix the problem yourself. Fix, just fix it yourself. Pull out the duct tape, whatever you got. Let's just fix this ourselves. Verse 5, then Jesus lifted up his eyes. He lifted them up to heaven. And seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he answered Philip, 
Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But he said this to test him, for he knew, for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus already knew what the answer was. He just wanted these boys to work through this, you know, do some problem solving here. So Philip answered, uh, yeah, uh, I got nothing. You got something? No, I don't have anything. Okay, so we're at the end of our resources here. That's not going to work. But as a wise man once said, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. And he'll move in the hearts of people to make it happen. In fact, in just a moment, we're going to see him work in the heart and life of a little boy. They don't realize what's in front of them, the resources that they have. So Philip takes out his abacus with the upgraded 30 AD software. You know those things with the little beads? I thought they were toys. They actually are calculators. I'm sharing that little tidbit with you. But um, he pulls this puppy. I just picture him. He pulls this puppy out, and he quickly concludes after five minutes of throwing these little things back and forth that they can't afford to buy dinner for everyone. In fact, to give just the men a small piece of pita bread, hold the hummus, it would take the equivalent of 200 days of wages which in today's world would be somewhere between $36,000 and $40,000. I think he announces this to the 12, and the 12 all go, uh, yeah, uh, I got nothing. You got something? No, I don't have anything. Okay, so we're at the end of our resources here. That's not going to work. But as a wise man once said, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. God has a plan. And what I'm learning in my old age is this. I don't have to know the plan. You know, back in my 40s and 50s, I I had to know the plan. Wait a minute. (laughs) I'm with you, God, but tell me how this is going to happen. And then I'll take the next step. And God smiles and goes, no, no, I told you to do this. And, And you're going, but I don't see how this is going to work out. Tell me the plan, and then I'll follow you. And that didn't work. It didn't work for these disciples, and it doesn't work for us either. Back to our story. He answers that. Four responses to our needs. Solution A, make the problem go away. Solution B, fix the problem yourself. The resources are within within my bank account. No, they're not. And solution C, fail to trust in God's resources. We're going to see that next. Verse 8, they're going to fail to trust God's resources. Verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, that's Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. Now, I get excited for that because if he had stopped right there and looked at Jesus and handed him the lunch, we'd be talking about the faith of Andrew um, we, we would have been, we'd talk about how he just was an, this amazing disciple. Out of all the 12, only Andrew got the answer right. Unfortunately, he continues to talk. <laughs> There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but <laughs> what are they among so many? <laughs> He's telling the creator of the universe this. He's close, but 
As they say, close is only good in horseshoes and hand grenades, and they have no need for either. So, well, Andrew is, is young, and he's inexperienced, so we'll give him lots of grace. He's half right, and if the truth were known, I bet you almost every person in here, including myself, would have said the same thing. Got the sack lunch. We, the kid just volunteered it, but <laughs> that's not going to work. <laughs> you know, the, the need is so big. You know, what good is that? Often we think we, we know God can work out our problems, but do we believe enough to pray, to ask him to intervene in our problems, and then to trust him with what we have and let it go to him, to use it as he sees fit? Do we do that? It's easy to talk. It's harder to walk. Four responses. Solution A, make the problem go away. Send him away, Jesus. It's not our deal. Solution B, fix the problem yourself. What, how do we fix this within our own resources? Solution C, fail to trust in God's resources. We have something, but he, it's not enough for God. And then solution D, Jesus finally calls the boys together and says, look, trust, obey, and wait on the Lord. That's the real solution to this whole problem. Wait on the Lord. Verse 10, then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place. So the men sat down in number, about 5,000, and Jesus took the loaves. And when he had finished, or when he had given thanks, he distributed. Mark tells us that he actually looked to heaven, uh, not because he needed to, because he knew his father could hear him, but that he wanted all these perhaps eight to 10,000 people to see him look up because all good things come from above. Whatever we need is, is going to come from him. Jesus looks up. He says a prayer. And then he takes the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. Did you hear that? As much as as they wanted. He didn't give them half a fish and a thumbnail piece of bread. He gave them as much as they wanted. I mean, we just opened up the banquet line here. You know, come on through. Yeah, bring that plate. Bring that saucer that you, you want. Fill it up. Take as much as you want. Eat all you can. Here's the key to this passage and really our problems. The answer was never going to be solved by human resources. This is what Jesus taught to the disciples that day. You guys had all these human answers. But what I want you to see is that the answer was never going to be a human answer. It was only going to be solved by God. When we have a need, God wants to intervene. Will we let him? Will we allow him to work? God has not designed mankind to be self-sufficient. He has created us to work within his holy and righteous omnipotence and his omniscient love, grace, and mercy in order that we might rely on him fully as our father, the good, good father that we sing about, that wants to, to provide for us. And it's through his holy, this holy reliance upon him we begin to taste the goodness and see the beauty of a truly awesome and all-satisfying God. 
That's why we can happily obey the command, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your, our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. Notice here that Jesus doesn't give them just enough, only enough to get back to where they came from. No, he provides more than they could have ever asked or thought would happen. Verse 12, so when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the, barley, of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Not only is Jesus generous in his provision for us, nothing is ever wasted by him. You know, so many times we go through storms in our lives and we cry out to him and literally cry out to him with tears. But did you know that God always comes through in just the right time, in his timing, and that not a single tear that you ever shed will be wasted, not one. He never allows suffering to go wasted. He didn't with his son, and he won't with you. Here's the lesson as I see it. When there is a need, give all your resources to the Lord. He knows how to use them best. And watch him go to work. Just let go. Jesus, there's a line that we say here. It's a truth. We finished our prayers back in El Cajon when we were praying and asking God what to do. But God, we only want, we've asked for all these things, but God, we only want what you want. So take what we have and use it for your glory. And do you know that we came up here? We didn't know what was going to happen. We knew God was calling us here. We didn't know how it was going to happen. We just let go. And God went, yes. Okay, watch. Watch me work here. Watch me work. Someone said that the boy only gave a little that day. But the truth is, he went all in. He brought his lunch. He brought everything he had. And he says, here's what I have. He gave everything that day. He gave it all away. And do you know, I bet that boy grew up never forgetting that moment when he stared into Jesus' eyes and handed him his lunch. Wow. What a story to tell your kids and your grandkids of going all in. One final point here in the story is that all four Gospels record that when Jesus picked up the fish and loaves, he gave thanks. That shouldn't go over our head here. So many people look at what they have and complain about it when what we should do is to look at what we have and be grateful for it. Whatever we have, whenever we share it with God, he'll multiply it for his kingdom and build our faith in the process. Is he building our faith? Yeah, you bet he is. He's done it from the beginning when Debbie and I were in our living room. Until this day, we have seen God's hand. We can look back in the almost six years uh, in December where we can trace his finger and go, wow, look what he's done. Look what he did. This shouldn't have happened by human standards, but he made it happen. Look how he's led us. He didn't bring us this far to, to just walk away, to let us fall. He's not going to do that. 
I don't know how he's going to work through this problem we have out front. I don't. But I know that he will and that he, do, he knows exactly what he's going to do. He just wants me to trust him and take the next step. Verse 14, then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. How did that happen? Wait a minute. There's 5,000 Men, there's probably 8,000, 10,000 people around him. How does he just walk away from this crowd that wants to grab him? Well, you remember, he's both man and God. I think he just disappeared within the crowd. And everybody turns around and goes, where'd he go? I think he went back up onto that mountain because that's what he wanted to do. Verse 16, now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea got into the boat. Both Matthew and Mark tell us that Jesus compelled them to go. And in the Greek, this isn't, hey guys, uh, when you feel like it, head on down to the boat. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.